Hi everyone, welcome back to the MedBullet Step 2 and 3 podcast. In today's episode, we cover the topic of oral pharyngeal cancer found under the oncology section at medbullets.com. Let's begin with a clinical snapshot. A 43-year-old man presents to the clinic with complaints of a palpable mass at the neck. He denies any fever, chills, night sweats, or pain at the lesion. He is otherwise healthy and denies smoking or drug use. The patient reports five sexual partners within the last month. Let's continue with an introduction to oropharyngeal cancer. As a general overview, this refers to malignant growth of tissues, most commonly squamous cells, of the oropharynx, which includes the base of the tongue, tonsils, soft palate, uvula, and posterior or lateral walls of the pharynx. In terms of the epidemiology, remember that this mostly occurs in the 6th to 7th decade with tobacco and alcohol as the main etiologies, or in the 4th to 5th decade with HPV-associated oropharyngeal cancer. It demonstrates a male-to-female ratio of 2.7 to 1. Risk factors include tobacco, both smoked and smokeless, as well as alcohol, human papillomavirus, betel nut chewing, radiation exposure, and periodontal disease. In terms of the pathogenesis, non-HPV-associated may be due to continued and repeated exposure to carcinogens, which leads to malignancy. HPV-associated is associated with HPV type 16. There is expression of the E6 and E7 oncoproteins at the host cell. This leads to inactivation of tumor suppressor genes P53 and retinoblastoma. Moving on to the presentation. Symptoms include dysphagia, odinophagia, otalgia, obstructive sleep apnea or snoring, and bleeding. On exam, one may note a neck mass, which is more common with patients with HPV-positive cancer. In terms of further imaging, Remember that all imaging modalities are used in the staging process to assess the degree of local infiltration, lymph node involvement, and presence of distant metastases or second primary tumors. Computed tomography is indicated as part of the initial workup for staging. This allows for greater spatial resolution with faster acquisition time compared to MRI. Magnetic resonance imaging is used in conjunction with CT for staging purposes. This allows for superior soft tissue definition compared to a CT. Positron emission tomography is used in conjunction with CT or MRI for staging purposes. It is superior for detecting regional, nodal, and distant metastases. In terms of further studies, HPV testing is tested on all patients with newly diagnosed oropharyngeal squamous cell carcinoma as HPV status is incorporated into the staging system. This is determined via P16 immunohistochemistry or polymerase chain reaction. Invasive studies include laryngoscopy, which is indicated in all patients to evaluate the primary lesion and look for secondary primary lesions. The lesions may have an exophytic or ulcerated appearance. One may also perform a biopsy with histology. Remember that biopsy is often obtained with operative endoscopy. 90 to 95% of cases will have squamous cell. Less common histologies include verrucous carcinoma, adenocarcinoma, adenoid cystic carcinoma, and mucoepidermoid carcinoma. 
Histopathological signs include the presence of mitosis, prominent nucleoli, and atypia, and cells tend to be moderate to poorly differentiated. In terms of the differential, make sure to think about oral syphilis, with distinguishing factors being that patients will have positive BDRL tests, and this will resolve with antibiotics. Also think about oral tuberculosis, with distinguishing factors being that there will be granulomatous lesions and acid fast bacilli on biopsy. In terms of treatment, non-operative options include radiation therapy. This is a single modality indicated for early-stage cancers, and it can be used as a single modality or combined with surgery or chemotherapy. Another option is chemotherapy. This can be used in conjunction with radiation, and this is indicated in advanced cancer. Operative options can be used as single-modality treatment for early cancers. Options include radical neck dissection. This is indicated if clinically palpable nodal disease is present. Remember that radical neck dissection removes the sternocleidomastoid muscle, internal jugular vein, submaxillary gland, and spinal accessory nerve, and leaves the carotid artery and its branches. Another option is transoral laser microsurgery and transoral robotic surgery, which are becoming more popular. These are less invasive than open surgery. With regards to the prognosis, remember that tumors associated with HPV tend to respond well to treatment. And lastly, complications related to oral pharyngeal carcinoma include metastasis, airway and esophageal obstruction, and death. Now that we've discussed the major points relating to oral pharyngeal cancer, let's walk through a question to apply what we've learned and get a sense of how the topic might be tested. For this question, consider the following clinical scenario. An elderly Chinese male comes into your office for repeated episodes of epistaxis. He also states that he has had trouble hearing in his right ear and feels there is a fullness there. His past medical history is significant for a 40-pack year history of smoking, and he also drinks 6 to 10 beers on the weekends. On exam, you note swelling of the nasal mucosa and decide to biopsy the area. Results of the biopsy demonstrate undifferentiated cells extracted from the nasopharynx. Which of the following is the most associated with this condition? And the answer choices are... Choice 1. Human herpes virus 8. Choice 2. Epstein-Barr virus. Choice 3. H. pylori. Choice 4. Clonorchis sinensis. Or choice 5. Alcohol intake. The best answer to this question is... Choice 2. Epstein-Barr virus. The patient presents with multiple episodes of epistaxis and trouble hearing in the context of his Asian origin and undifferentiated cells seen on biopsy. This is significant for undifferentiated nasopharyngeal carcinoma and is associated closely with Epstein-Barr virus infection along with smoking. Most cases of nasopharyngeal cancer are found in patients of Asian origin, typically southern China. There is a significant association between nasopharyngeal cancer and Asian origin, smoking, and ingestion of salt-preserved foods. The clinical presentation often involves a cervical mass due to metastatic spread from the lymph nodes. Additional features include epistaxis, serous media due to eustachian tube occlusion, nasal obstruction, 
tinnitus, headache, and paresthesias in the distribution of the trigeminal nerve due to tumor impingement. The publication by her stated EBV is associated with nasal pharyngeal carcinoma along with Hodgkin's disease, Burkitt's lymphoma, lymphoproliferative disease in the post-transplant setting, and T-cell lymphoma due to its latent nature. The risk for EBV-associated nasal pharyngeal carcinoma is 80 times higher in a southern Chinese patient compared to a person from North America or Western Europe. The publication by Chu et al. found that through a retrospective analysis, female non-smokers who were diagnosed early had higher survival compared to their counterparts. Survival was not affected by alcohol ingestion, lesion location, lesion type, or radiotherapy pattern. Let's also discuss why the other choices are incorrect. Choice 1. HHV-8 is associated with Kaposi sarcoma that has a vascular, bruise-like appearance. Choice 3. H. pylori is associated with gastric carcinoma. Choice 4. Clonorchis sinensis is associated with cholangiocarcinoma. Choice 5. Alcohol intake in large amounts is associated with hepatic cirrhosis, which puts patients at an increased risk of hepatic cancers. That's all for this review about oral pharyngeal cancer. We hope that was helpful. This is the MedBullets Step 2 and 3 podcast, a daily audio review session for MedBullets, the free learning and collaboration community for medical student education. As a reminder, you can follow along with these podcast episodes by reviewing the topics directly on MedBullets.com. You can listen to these episodes on the MedBullets website or phone app while reading through the topic. If the MedBullets podcast has been valuable to you, we'd be thrilled if you consider leaving us a five-star rating and writing us a review on Apple Podcasts. It will help us spread the word and increase our discoverability tremendously. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you all tomorrow, right here, on the MedBullets Step 2 and 3 podcast.